Welcome to the sixth Sunday of Easter and the Sunday before Ascension Sunday next week and Pentecost the week after. Our passage this week in John's Gospel actually takes place in the events before Easter. It's part of what has become known as the farewell discourse of Jesus. Uh, Let us open in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Savior, in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus is preparing his disciples for life without him being physically present. Imagine, if you will, that you were going on a long journey, and you were leaving all your family and friends behind. And to stretch the imagination a little, let's say you're going somewhere, and I'm not sure where that would be, where there's no cell phones, no internet, not even a postal service. What would you want to tell your loved ones before you left? Don't worry about me, I'll be fine. I'll be thinking about you and praying for you. Maybe you might say, don't sell all my stuff. (laughs) Or you might say, sell all my stuff if you need the money. Seriously, is there anything you could say that would make it easier for your loved ones, especially if they depended on you in some way? Jesus was well aware that his physical departure was going to be a shock to his followers. He knew, too, that they still didn't really believe that he was going to go and leave them. He knew that there would be struggles to keep on being faithful in times of opposition. He knew there could be times of confusion, discouragement, maybe even fear and despair. So he says to them, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This Greek word used by John, parakletos, is a word of rich meaning, and it has been translated a number of different ways. Advocate, counselor, helper, mediator, the one who comes alongside, the spirit of truth, the spirit of love. Jesus promises that the spirit will live in his followers, and because of that, they will know for sure that he is still with them. In fact, he says, the spirit is already abiding with them. I found this a little confusing. Is he coming, or is he already here? There are many references to the Spirit before this time, all the way back to the first verses in Genesis where the Spirit was brooding over the waters. In the opening verses of this same gospel, John refers to Jesus as the Word and says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was from the beginning. And so too was the Spirit of God. But something new was happening. Something new was being promised. A fuller presence and revealing of the work of the Spirit. 
The Spirit of God was now also identified as the Spirit of Jesus, the indwelling presence of Jesus himself in the life of the believers. And this Spirit would be with them forever. To try to explain this a bit, John has a series of ins. The Spirit will be in you. Then you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. The idea of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being in communion, the three in one, the one in three, the Trinity, is, as Jeremy would say, another sermon for another day. But we do get a glimpse here of something amazing. As the Spirit of Jesus dwells in us, we are invited into this holy community. We are not orphans led adrift without hope. We are part of an amazing fellowship. This is truly good news. It must have been very good news for the people in John's time when the Roman Empire dominated the scene and seemingly defined the terms of power. But the spirit of truth, that indwelling Holy Spirit, demonstrated that love is the actual source of power. And that spirit, John assures us, dwells in us as it dwells in the love of the Father for the Son and the Son for the Father and the Son for us. We need this assurance of God's love every bit as much as the disciples and other followers did then. The living out of this love, the practical outpouring of the love of God and love of neighbor, was amply demonstrated by Jesus in his love for the poor, the sick, and the disadvantaged. To that tiny band of followers, Love beckoned them to live life in a new way. Maybe, love whispered, maybe, just maybe, this power of love is stronger than the Roman Empire or the state or tyranny or even the very powers of evil. This, too, is good news. Our short passage this week has a very parallel structure And it's bookended by statements about the linkage between the love of God and keeping the commandments of God. It begins by saying, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And in verse 21, it concludes with, they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by the Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. So does this strike you at first glance as some sort of conditional love? No doubt, misguided leaders have hammered their congregants in the past with the idea that God will only love us when we are doing everything right. Now, I do believe that God longs for us to live the kind of life he has called us to. But he knows it isn't always easy, and the pathway is not always onward and upward. And love, 
isn't something we just conjure up in our own strength. Love begins with God. In John's letter, he states that we love God because he first loved us. The indwelling spirit of Christ helps us to respond to that love. Jesus didn't do away with the law, but I think he made it a lot easier to understand. And when he said the same song that we heard sung today, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all people know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. By the power of the Spirit, we are gradually transformed by that love. This, too, is good news. Now, we often think of the Holy Spirit in fairly personal terms, our comforter, our source of strength, our help in times of trouble, the one who prays for us when words fail us, the one who bestows the spiritual gifts. And there are many, many places in Scripture where this is attested to. But maybe there's something more. So anyone who's sat in this church for any period of time, like I have for the past several decades, and looked out upon this wall hanging here, sees perhaps a little different depiction of the spirit in this uh, fabric art that was um, designed by Erica Grimm. This picture is in my recollection, I think was called Inflaming the City. This is the Holy Spirit that stirs us up to go and be the presence of Jesus in the world. This is the Spirit that enables us to go and do things that we never thought were possible. This is the Spirit that enabled Mother Teresa to minister to the poorest of the poor in India. When asked how she could continue this work, this emotionally and physically draining work, she said she looked into the faces of those she was ministering to and saw the face of Jesus. And after her death, we found out that this was even despite the fact that she often didn't sense the presence of God. Many heroic and miraculous stories have been related about people who sensed the Spirit's leading, or maybe even prodding, and went forth and did truly amazing deeds. Those first disciples were able, in the power of the Spirit, to spread the gospel to the whole known world, despite much trial and opposition. Since then, the Holy Spirit has enabled untold numbers of generations of people to believe in Jesus and accept his love, even though they haven't seen him in bodily person. And even today, the Holy Spirit continues to be with us in everyday situations and helps us as ordinary people to be the face of love, even when things are very difficult. When I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but think of my good friend Peggy Mitchell, who's now been gone from us for about 10 years. 
She had a very, very rocky course of chemotherapy at the Cross Cancer, and just driving by the building made her feel nauseated for years. So what did she do for her volunteer job as she answered the prodding of the Spirit? She drove people to their treatment appointments at the Cross when they had no other way of getting there, and she did this for many years. And of course, she was a perfect person to do this because she knew exactly what they were going through. I'm sure you can think of stories in your own life when, that illustrate the Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit melds us into a community of faith, bonded together by the love of Jesus. Then the same Spirit invites us out of our zones of comfort and into a needy world to be the face and the hands of Jesus wherever we go. I think this is good news, too, although sometimes it's a little scary. So as you ponder today's passage, be assured that you are not alone. Jesus himself has promised, I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. He promised to send the Holy Spirit, and he said it would be with us forever. May God's presence be with you and be an ever source of strength and comfort and healing. Love itself dwells within you. This is the greatest of good news. Amen.